Welcome to episode 141 of Friends of Film. We're here to bring you the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is The Predator. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, and this week, I'm joined by Josh Straley. Hello, Cooper. Yes. Question. Okay. Where did the phrase, coming down to the wire, come from? Uh, a sports broadcaster. Kind of. Yes. Oh. But it actually found its way into like horse racing, because they strung up a wire across the finish line. Really? And that's where it came from. But on my way over here, I had this really great idea where it came from. And this is now going to be the official way it came into being. Okay. In movies, because this is a movie podcast, the hero has got like 10 seconds left before the bomb goes off. He's on the walkie-talkie. He's asking his partner, which wire? Which wire? And it's the wire that he has yeah. to cut to stop the bomb. Like in Mission Impossible Fallout. Exactly. Like Mission Impossible Fallout. So it's coming down to the wire. The bad guy's been dispatched. The girl is safe, if we're being cliche. And the <laughs> other, the, the uh, witty friend's on the other end. And then they clip, and the day is saved. So that is where coming down to the wire comes from. In terms of movies. In terms of movies. Okay. But also just now in official friends and film lore. Okay. We'll write down the history books. Uh, Josh, other than I maybe, I guess, horse racing potentially, what have you been watching recently? Um, that is a great question. So I recently stole a login for Showtime Anytime. Uh-oh. Um, and Well, borrowed a login for Showtime Anytime. <laughs> um and I took checked out Sweet Virginia, John Berthall and Christopher Abbott's like Oh yeah. Um I don't know how to describe it. Is that the one that Tom Holland's in? Didn't remember seeing him in the movie. Okay, I just remember John Berthall and Tom Holland didn't move together recently. They were working at, no, because Tom Holland's like he's playing a kid with some kind of disability, I think. Okay. In that one. So but anyways, right? Sweet Virginia. Yeah, it's like a, um, I don't know, Southern nor film. Uh-huh. But it's Berthal being able to show his best version of acting as well as aggressive chops. And it just leads to some great scenes. Uh, but Christopher Abbott, I couldn't remember had, having seen him in anything else other than um, It Comes at Night, uh-huh. which is the random husband. But he plays a really good creepy dude. Mm-hmm. And I think I'd love to see him in other things again. Oh, okay. But what about you? I, well, there's a couple of things, but the one I want to mention and the one I was thinking of was Pilgrimage. That's gotcha. Bernthal and Tom Holland. But the movie I want to talk about this week is a surprise. It was Peppermint. The oh. Jennifer Garner action revenge movie. I went to my local AMC, mm-hmm. my AMC list uh, plus membership to check it out. Not sponsored by the show, but AMC, we are open to negotiations. Um, and I... Really enjoyed this movie. I am shocked to say it because apparently this movie's crap to everybody else. But I had a really good, really good time with it. It's not, it's not a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not going to win an Oscar or anything. Okay. But Jennifer Garner is very convincing as this mom turned vigilante who's out for revenge. The uh, the action is nice and slick. There's some good uh, death scenes. It's got a just really clear revenge. Uh, subplot there are some twists and turns along the way that even though i was like well this is just like a Mm c-rated um revenge story like i know what's gonna happen they they managed to surprise me at two turns and i was like okay cool like didn't expect that great surprises i mean not great but i was like okay they're gonna do this and then they went they went they went the other way oh "Oh, okay 
Gotcha. Okay. Pleasantly surprised there. I mean, yeah, it's not a it's not a great movie, but it's a nice leading vehicle for Jennifer Gardner. It's like, well, what? she should get more of these roles because she's great. She uh, kicks a lot of butt in this movie. She looks like she trained a lot because she is ripped, mm-hmm. and she handles the guns really well. She does like all the fight training pretty well as well. So, uh, hats off to Jennifer Gardner. John Wick Four. Yeah. Okay. Get there her involved. Um, I mean, this could theoretically take place in John Wick universe. I'd buy it, um, except there's no Continental or anything. So. It's a missed opportunity. That we know of. True. That that is true. Um, and also, just real quick plug uh, for the friendsinfilm.wordpress.com, our website. There will also be a review up this week or this weekend by the time you guys hear this episode for a simple favor, which I saw, and it is excellent. Did it? Okay, it is, good. It is, so, it is so good. Sweet. Uh, so, yeah, you'll be able to uh, read my full thoughts on that. So, that's why I decided to give Peppermint the love here because, um, you know, I want to talk about a simple favor. Sure. I'm going to write about it. So, I, I decided not to double dip on it. But, Josh, uh, other than our, our our website, obviously, where else can people find us online? It's a great question. Well, they can get all of our latest updates on Twitter at Friends in Film. But if they're looking for more remote reviews of movies which we do you can get those on apple podcasts google podcasts stitcher and soundcloud and really anywhere your podcast can be found except spotify we're working on it but if you could though on itunes please rate and review us it really helps yeah so let's uh let's jump in to our review this week, which is The Predator. Hope you guys have been tuning in recently, so you guys are familiar with our, I guess that's not our new format anymore because it's been like a month or mm-hmm. two, but we're going to start off the review, uh, short, spoiler-free section, and then dive into spoilers for the heavy majority of this uh, conversation here. I did have a running bet with myself how long you were going to introduce the new format. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, here's the new format just in case. Oh, wait, it's, it's been a year and a half. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> um, but yes, this week we saw The Predator, Saw it last night as of this recording. Mm-hmm. My review just published on the site as of this recording. And it is not good. It mm. is easily Shane Black's worst movie. It is one of the worst entries of the Predator franchise with an asterisk because I haven't seen the AVP movies. So within the four that I have seen, it is in the bottom two. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> um, and this is just, you know, it's just not what you not what you wanted to see. I think there's the hints of the shame blackness that you really wanted to get. You, you wanted the humor. You wanted the relationships. You wanted the camaraderie. You wanted the action. And there is a lot of humor. I would say probably too much because it's just, it, it is just nonstop joke, 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 joke from everybody involved there's not like the one or two comedic guys it's like well everybody's got to get a joke in. everybody's got to say the f word a couple of times everybody's got to do this and so there's not like a character defining role for any of them it's just kind of a Mm -hmm. well if you can do this i can do it too and so we're all going to be action leads we're all going to be jokesters we're all going to be you know this that and the other and it kind of just makes all the characters not really stand out they all feel just very like you're there I don't know anything about you other than like the one sentence description you get from Trevante Rhodes early on. Right. That, that's all you get. Um, I mean, Boyd Holbrook, good job in the lead. Like he, like you can buy him as this action star. He does the action. Well, he, he is funny. He is he's charming. Like he, he's not as good as he was in Logan, um, but he is like, you know, he's the lead and he mm-hmm. makes that convincing him and Trevante Rhodes have good chemistry together. Um, you know, Olivia Munn is fine. And, but I would, I would have rather seen a little bit more from her and maybe, get away from some of the characterizations that she has to deal with in the movie. Uh, Sterling K. Brown, he really goes for it. Yeah, he does. And it's enjoyable to a certain degree, but then you're mm-hmm. just like, but you're so over the top at some points where 
it it almost felt like Sterling K. Brown didn't know exactly what this movie was going to be or wasn't sure how he should play this role. Oh, yeah. Because he just, he doesn't really fit with, I think, the rest of the movie in some instances. Rather, I would argue he thought this movie was going to be even more over the top than he oh, was playing. That's, that's possible. And then nobody else went that way. Yeah. And then I was like, so he kind of got left hanging there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, then there's like, there's Keegan-Michael Key, Thomas Jane, they're both, they don't really work for me in this movie. Um, the rest of the cast, nothing to write home about either. Even though you have, you know, you know, some name recognition to go along with it. Since it is a Predators movie, the mm-hmm. Predators themselves still look great. I mean, that is uh, something that is constant through these movies. However, dipping in quality they may be, the Predators still look great. They still have a cool design. Their tech is used pretty well throughout the movie. Um, but like the kills they're not really stand out they're they're very quick sometimes some of them you don't even really know what happens um until you you know kind of research after the movie oh wait so oh that happened to that character mm-hmm. oh okay uh but like you would have you would have rather seen a little bit more of these characters be showcased instead of they kind of tell you parts of their mythology and they don't really give you anything else to kind of really dive into there but then mm-hmm. Shane Black I think it's just because this movie is has so much going into it and it's under 2 hour runtime which I think is would be good because it, it's quick, it moves, but then it also it moves so fast that you're kind of like, wait, what what just happened right there? Like I don't understand it. And Black tries to work in even like a climate change subplot in the third act, and you're like, this has no place in this movie. And by the end, you're just kind of left scratch your head of like, what did I just watch? So I'm gonna give it two ticket stubs out of five. Okay. And passed off to you, Josh, for your spoiler-free thoughts oh, on the Predator. Right, sure thing. <laughs> I'm glad that you remind me of that because if anyone's gonna blow the lid off of a plot accidentally, it's going to be me. <laughs> but listen, I haven't seen a Predator movie, but after any of them, I haven't seen a Predator movie. Yeah. Other than this one, obviously. Other than this one, wow. obviously. Because, okay. yeah, I was in the theater with you. You yeah. know I saw this one. Um, but this felt like a parody of a Predator movie. Yeah. In a, in a lot of respects. But a bad one. In uh, my, in, oh, I, I would say. I, I would think say. parody by its... I mean, isn't parody by its nature supposed to be kind of bad? No. I mean, Edgar Wright parodies tons of genres. I don't think his movies are bad. Okay. Well, I'm going to call it a par. I'm going to call it a fine... It's a, it's a parody. No, no other adjectives. Okay. Um, it's Shane Black's Predator is a B-level action movie um, with, you know, it's p- packed with A-list talent, but it carries out, you know, the sci-fi original caliber of a story. You, and no offense to sci-fi originals. They do, shark, <laughs> they do Sharknado? They do Sharknado. I think they did the first one. They did the first one. All right. So, you know, they're coming up with some pretty crazy stuff there. Uh, like, Black's wit and banter, the staple of all of his movies, is there. Um, and he thrives on it. It's the dynamic that's written into Lethal Weapon, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man 3, um, The Nice Guides. And he fuses it into Trevante Rhodes and Boyd Holbrook Mm -hmm. extremely well. These are the two people I want to see the most of on screen. And they get a good amount of the time. However, anytime we break away from them, nothing else works. Everything falls flat. Um, The most interesting of things outside of there is like, like, listen, I enjoyed Sterling K. Brown. Mm -hmm. He is deliciously evil as the, Doctor Field Agent Scientist, whatever he was, um, I have no he idea. gets to toss out a few mofos and like it, it's <laughs> uh, funny. More than a few, more, like three, three, mm. four. Three. See, it seemed like a lot. Well, anyway, the first Traeger is his character's name. Oh, Traeger. Okay, thank you. The first two are funny. Uh, I, I I laughed at them, but 
other than that, you know, he doesn't really bring anything else other than just the spectacle of seeing Sterling K. Brown on the big screen, mm-hmm. which we need more of. We need the most of. Uh, so maybe he'll die on This Is Us, and then that way he can be free <laughs> to just do every movie all the time. Um, but Mun is the extraterrestrial biologist. Yeah, like you said, I could have used a, a whole lot more for her. She gets to kick some predator butt, but that's about it. And then Keegan-Michael Key, he's there for laughs, and he's just there. No, like literally he's there to laugh. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's about all he's got. Um, he's like the comic, and that's how they introduce him. But once, you know, once we're done with the introduction – that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gets to be funny in like one or two other scenes and then we lose him. Um, but yeah, everything else is just so bland. The action, like you said, it's the Shane Black. It's messy. It's harried. And it's done for laughs. Like rather than, you know, just the, the, the pure spectacle of mm-hmm. it. People are just firing wildly. And then the predator jumps out, slashes someone's hand off or his head off. And then they're like, oh, that's supposed to be funny because you're just looking at it because it's the way he does it. Um, and you know, I was expecting it to be more about the, let's see what we can do with this gore other than just, you know, UCG to, um, portray explosions Mm -hmm. and decapitations and all things like that. So that was like a really, that was a really bad letdown, um, in a lot of ways. Maybe I'm just misunderstanding the Predator series. No, or maybe... Is there a lot of gore yeah. and blood and yeah. like everything? Like we do get to see some people's innards, um, like you know, on display. Mm-hmm. But outside of like just the one or two scenes, that's it. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the, I mean, the climate change thing that you got to mention. Like I get it, but then that leads to story of plots and all sorts of things like that. So all in all, I was just like, huh. I could I had a bit of fun in this movie, but everything else around it just does not contribute or pull its own weight mm-hmm. at all. So, uh, yeah, I'm, like, right there with you. I'm giving it two ticket stubs. Um, and I'm being generous a little bit here because I just I like Shane Black's style, but he does not do a good job of porting it over to this franchise. No. Not uh, at all. So let, let's move into spoilers. Um, I want to talk about the buddy cop versus ensemble dynamic. Mm-hmm. You, you think that he pulled it off pretty well with Rhodes and Holbrook. Yeah. I think their chemistry is really good. Definitely. But I don't think they have enough to really establish that kind of best friend mentality that the film goes for by the end. It's like, oh, I'm going to sacrifice myself like as Trevante Rhodes. I'm going to I'm gonna go jump in mm-hmm. this, this ship engine to save the day. Right. And it's like, cool that good you're a hero i guess but like there's not enough uh moments between those two guys where you're like oh i buy them now as as friends like they Mm -hmm. they met literally like the night before or that that same night like eight hours ago the timeline's kind of unclear but like they've only known each other for a very short amount of time Mm -hmm, for sure and so this is like i don't buy like them being the you know the 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 Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling of the nice guys, which sure. them too only don't know each other for very long in the movie. Like they meet in that movie and by that we see their whole relationship, but they have all their time together basically. So you really get to figure out that relationship. But in this one, it's like, well, you, they get a couple moments by themselves, but other than that, they're joined by like Jacob Tremblay or the rest of the loonies. And you're like, I don't, I don't really get it. Yeah. The Riggs Murtaugh dynamic, mm-hmm. not there at all. Um, but Travante Rhodes is going to be a star and like, you can just, he just exudes charisma, like the charisma yeah. on that, in that screen. And as he's laughing with them and like, you know, trying to get Boyd's, um, characters, you know, hopes up mm-hmm. because they're all on this bus, bus that they're about to be taken basically to the, 
balloony. Yeah. Wherever or be lobotomized or whatever yeah, the case is, uh, they're being disposed of. Death yeah. row, whatever the case is. Like that's all good. But yeah, um, there's a. F- they don't hone in on that because they turn towards Jacob Tremblay's storyline because mm-hmm. um, he's Boyd Holbrook's kid, and they play on that father son dynamic for like 10 15 20 seconds Mm -hmm. and then they run away from it because the predator shows up yeah so yeah i know i i totally i mean i I get what you're saying i I agree with i disagree a little bit but also yeah it's not as developed well and i think that's partially because of the ensemble of the movie like you have six members of the loonies plus olivia munn plus uh jacob tremblay like that's eight cast members that are for the most part all together for the for the you know ninety percent of this movie and yep. it's just like that's a lot of characters to juggle and I don't think that Black and the, the script did enough did a good enough job of honing in on what these characters are other than like their stereotypical like cliche sentence blurbs that they got at the beginning and it's just like yeah I don't understand you like they try to for they try to throw in at the end that like Keegan Michael Key and Thomas Jane have this like long backstory together I was like wait what yeah they're like, together that, and... that doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. um and just like there's there seems like there's a lot of that like underdeveloped characters so then it's like when they do start you know obviously getting picked off one by one by the by the ultra predator or the mega power predator or whatever it's called yeah um you don't care Right. So it's like, I don't care about these characters. It's like, oh, man, Augusto Aguilera, his legs just got cut off. He fell off an airplane. That's too bad. Mm-hmm. But I don't care because I don't know you. Right. All I know is that you're hitting on Olivia Munn for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. And that falls really flat. But then by the end of the movie, she still has his unicorn that he that he, that he made her. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wait, was there another subplot cut that enforced that there was a romantic interest there? Because that is not shown in the movie at all what did you say the runtime was of this film i think it's an hour 47 yeah. uh my gut tells me that there was like 20 minutes of this in some original assembly mm-hmm. but when they realized the quality got slashed out well i mean this movie went underwent very public reshoots that redid the entire third act okay. so uh it, it really just makes you wonder well like what else was in this movie like there were set photos there was um portions in the trailer of them of a set piece action moment involving the loonies and a tank where Trevante Rhodes is on top of a tank shooting a giant gun and there's predators around it's like where was that like is that mm-hmm. early in the movie is that the original third act somehow and it's totally repurposed to now be set around the the arc or whatever the the, the spaceship is called yeah um it just it's just really kind of confusing. It's just like, well, what are what are you going for here? Right. And I think a lot of those stories, a lot of these characters are underserved because they try to condense it all way down and everything that gets lost in, in you know, as part of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the most we learn about Boyd Holbrook's character is when Yvonne Strahovski gets like her one moment of screen time and rattles off like all of his achievements to try yeah. to rally the gang. And it's just like, what? Right. And then like it makes it seem like they're she's his ex-husband. Or the, the yeah. it's not clear about like whether they're married or not. So like that part was kind it, of like it definitely seems like huh. they were not married. Gotcha. But then you don't even find out like what happens to her. Like right, because the ultra predator like busts down her front door, and then the next thing you know, they cut away, yeah. and they're back at the um, football field for mm-hmm. like the hounds or whatever yeah, they are, they, the predator hounds. It, it goes into her house. 
kills the like the the random government agents that are with her. You don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. Like I'm guessing there were Sterling K. Brown and his right. team. Yes, but that is not made clear. Um, it's just like oh, he, the random people have invaded this house. They're mm-hmm. searching all for stuff. They die, and now she is just left. You don't get a reaction shot. You don't get anything. They yes. just move on, and you never see her again. No, we just get some um, slight assurances that she's still alive um, during the during ending. The very ending. Yeah, during oh, the gosh. ending. Um, but my, my 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 question is, why isn't the the predator gave me nothing to fear in this movie? Yes, not once did I say, "Oh snap, the predator is here." Mm-hmm. They're so doomed. Other than when he first initially woke up and just laid waste to every single person in that lab. Um, because the Predator is sympathetic in yeah. this movie. He's brought a gift for humanity to fight back the mm-hmm. Predators. Yeah, he's he's, a, he's a good Predator. He's an ally. But yet he's just going around slashing so, so many yeah. people. And I'm like, wait, are you here to help these people? But Maybe he knows he needs to escape. I, I don't know. I, I just didn't get that. It's not mentioned. No. It's not talked about at all. They try to explain it with another predator, the ultra predator, using a translator, but he's just like, oh, he stole this from me, so I'm taking it back and blowing it up. Yeah. So, uh, I I could not get it at all. No, they, they're, they're not scary, and that is really disappointing when mm-hmm. if your main villains aren't scary and they also don't have good action sequences, that's just like they're super bland, even though the ultra predator by itself is kind of a cool concept that it's been genetically enhanced. It has human DNA. It's got other alien DNA involved um, as well. There are even people who thought maybe the human DNA in the ultra predator was Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is why it was so huge. Cause that would have been a cool twist. If they're like, Oh, it's got Dutch's DNA in it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, at least we don't know that for a fact. And instead it's just like, Nope. Like the predator is just here because it wants its gauntlet back. Right. And it takes the characters who know this the whole time. They're like, oh, my, I stole his gear. And this is why he's here. This is why he's chasing us. It takes them like 10, 15 minutes to just realize, hey, we should just give this back to him. Right. <laughs> it's like, just just leave it. You don't need it. People now believe you that there are aliens mm-hmm. out there. You don't need to keep this around anymore, Boyd Holbrook. Yeah. But it's just dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not as dumb as the ending. Um, because... You literally, somebody who hasn't seen any of the Predator movies yeah, says to me right near the end, and this is literally the ending of the movie, is they've, 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 they've found miraculously that this savior weapon thing that the good Predator brought to Earth, right. it has somehow managed to escape the explosion of the ship. Yes, it's Dale to a Yeah, Dale to a, a fail safe that the Predator worked in. Uh, it's really good work around there. And it was revealed... It's like, oh, this is like this huge thing. It's super powerful. And you you go, it's Arnold. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's, it's got to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. But then I'm thinking, but if it was Arnold, why wouldn't it have leaked by now? Like people would have spoiled it because pe- that's what people do. Right. Like the, the, the object is literally a casket. Yeah. But what comes out of it is just a little part in the top head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a gauntlet like Boyd had been wearing yep. earlier in the film. And it just flies onto a scientist, turns into this, what I'll say is a very sleek-looking predator armor. The CG on that was bad. Uh, I thought it looked okay. But it the CG in the, the, the very opening shot of the movie, the CG where they're flying the spaceships through space mm-hmm. to, towards Earth, that also was bad. Yeah. <laughs> but it puts him on him, and then Boyd looks at the scientist, and he's like, that's my new armor. Yeah. Cut! 
the, the predator yeah and then the, there we go we're out yeah because it's good and the suit is called the predator killer <laughs> yeah which is what the predators called them themselves so the predators themselves are self-referential yes even though they've gone <laughs> the, the joke is the entire movie that the predator is not actually a predator. yeah I and mean, it's just shane black's glibness at this doesn't it doesn't work because the movie really really needed to be something a bit darker yeah i, I mean, mean you could still have the buddy cop elements to it mm-hmm. but you could have lost keegan michael key and his just constant barrage of one-liners you could have lost thomas jane and his tourette's character who is just there to give shane black i believe an excuse to throw extreme profanity at the screen that is sometimes shocking but more times than not it is just downright um jarring and it's just basically like wait what really this yeah. is this is what he's saying right now mm-hmm. it um leads to a bit i mean a couple of them are funny but it leads to a bit with olivia munn that does i mean it just kind of like underscored a little bit of the like you know like, i don't know she's out there talking about how like the cast and crew kind of like sectioned her off yeah. I guess, after she spoke out and but good for her for speaking out but i don't know it just kind of like underscored that like she found herself in a movie of just like full of a bunch of frat people like yeah. that was the vibe of that well whole and it's thing. like the, the all the loonies they're all criminal like Trevante Rhodes character killed his or tried to kill his um his his officer his leading officer uh, no he he was the leading officer so Trevante Rhodes tried to commit suicide so like he's okay fine. I thought I thought it was that he shot his officer but then he tried to kill himself afterwards no he was the CEO that he tried okay. to kill like, cause that's what happens when they're okay, talking okay, outside there. Okay. Um, when he shows the scar yeah. and that's why the joke later is, um, he, when he shoots yeah. the dog, he's like, he's bad at shooting things yeah. in the head. It's like, that was a good joke. Yeah. Like that's, um, like the physical comedy is good, but like, yeah, but, um, exactly. Like they're all criminals. And then it just, I don't know. Yeah. It felt, it felt, oh man. I, I mean, they, grimy they even, there's a really icky. weird line too in the prelude to the hotel scene where, Holbrook and Tremonti Rhodes are sitting outside talking and Olivia Munn has been tranked by herself uh, right. and she's laying on the bed in the hotel room with Thomas Jane, Kiki Michael Key, mm-hmm. uh, the rest of the gang. And Boyd Holbrook like asks him, he's like, hey, is, is she like, is she okay in there with all these crazy criminals? Right. And he's like, yeah, man, she's a girl. She's asleep, but she's fine. Yeah, they're soldiers. And it, and it, and it was just like, is the implication there that if she was awake, then she'd be in trouble or I don't know that that just like it struck me the wrong way when it was when it was said. No, yeah, that that came across fine because like when it started to happen, I was like, oh boy, okay, I don't, this is kind of weird. And then we get out there, and he's like, no, they're soldiers, low respect her or whatever. Okay, like, they're not gonna, they're not. I thought it was yeah, Okay, I thought it was a different thing. Like, oh no, if she was like awake and conscious, then like then she'd be fair game or something. Yeah, and no, I was like, that's ugh, that's was, gross. Yeah, he was sort of making a general statement. But like, there are so many like you know, yeah, and then you could talk about the Tourette's character, like like the, the what Shane Black uses with it, um, is funny in a couple places, but use it to like I don't know, it, to, the, the 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 one with Mon. Olivia Munn in the hotel, yeah, literally just brings the movie to a halt. It's just like this is just so yeah. cringe worthy. Mm-hmm. Like the whole dialogue yeah, that's happening right now. Literally made me feel icky. Yeah. And I was like, and then I was like, uh, maybe Olivia Munn had a bad experience on this movie. I don't know. It's possible. But whatever the case is. Yeah. It, it made me really think a whole lot less of Shane Black. Yeah. In so many ways. And just, I, I just, don't know if like, I'm not going to like stop watching his movies like or section. Right. Off, but like he, he got knocked down a peg. But it could definitely like, 
I mean, the whole controversy around this movie is that he hired a friend of his who's mm-hmm. a convicted uh, sex offender. And he is in The Nice Guys for a small role. He's in Iron Man 3 for a small role. And it's just like it's been brought up that, you know, all of his all of Shane Black's movies, except for, I guess, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, have young children leads that this the sex offenders involved in um, that yeah. that that nobody knew about. Like, it's just a very uncomfortable thing. And it's just like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it could it could make me rewatch Nice Guys and maybe if like I don't know if that guy has a scene with Angry Rice and the Nice Guys, but like if he does, like that'll be like just a chill-inducing scene of of weirdness, and I, 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 it definitely like like you said, kind of makes you rethink Shane Black, and it's just like oh, yeah, I mean his movies are still his previous three movies I I still all like, and that's yeah. not going to change because of what has come out about this movie mm-hmm. or how I feel about the Predator, right. but it could in i guess in some ways be like oh now that scene doesn't really work anymore yeah like i could go back and watch the nice guys and kiss kiss bang bang and be like oh wow there's some like pretty blatant misogyny here that i maybe like laugh through because the rest of the movie was good right and then so you know it'll be interesting to see um how i feel about you know the retrospective that i'm gonna this movie has put a different lens on mm-hmm. a lot of things and i really really hope it's just this movie and it's just exactly what he said um but you know olivia munn and on ellen i think it was talking about the cast and crew kind of isolating her yeah. I mean, that doesn't sound like very professional so yeah i don't know it, it, the whole thing kind of made the whole crew look bad but the movie itself regardless of the controversy is just a mess anyways absolutely um just so that is clear um yeah. that the whole, the whole the controversy has no effect on mm. the movie because the scene in question was cut like it Sure. That doesn't change anything, but it does in some ways open your eyes up more towards how Shane Black is dealing with like mental illness with threats or even um, the autism spectrum with Jacob Tremblay's character is on that spectrum. And he is he is he is bullied, which is, you know, that I mean, I mean, that that's a typical kid thing. Like, mm-hmm. But it's just like then like they even call him retarded and just like that's not <laughs> and they even use it in like a joking way, like in, like the. Algenus, um, what's his name? Or Augusto Aguilera. He's just like, hey man, don't say that. His kid's retarded. And it's just like, you're you're doing the same thing. Like it, it just it just came across very weird. Yeah, and especially too because there's no follow up with Tremblay's character. I mean, you know, like yeah, it's just sort of like, oh, he has autism, and because he has autism, he can understand the alien language. Yeah, even and though that was he, it. Yeah, <laughs> which is just a very weird explanation. And even though he kills somebody in this movie. And it's just like, it goes, I mean, the, in, inadvertently, yes. but he is responsible mm-hmm. in a way for killing somebody. It's, it's played for a laugh. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, this this kid murdered somebody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I laughed at that part. Um, but yeah, there's just, there is, I don't know. It looks like his worst, like, like it looks like he let his worst impulses out. Yeah. And I, and at the beginning of this film, I'm like, do we have ourselves a four quadrant movie here that was like rated R? Because that was the feeling I got once mm-hmm. we got going. But then, yeah, by the time we were halfway through, I realized this was a uniquely disastrous film. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, even now that we talk about it, I would probably even just... you bump would, it down? I would bump it down to like one. One? Woof. Yikes. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. I just... You know, yeah, I especially mean... Especially extrapolating out I probably want to go all the way down to one, but I mean, I don't know. I, pro- I don't anticipate ever watching this movie again unless there is a Predator sequel and... 
I'm like, well, I should probably revisit this just to get just to familiarize myself with it again. <laughs> Predator by Ryan Coogler would be interesting, uh, or I don't know. Yeah, I think we'd avoid a lot of these problems because even Ryan Coogler would be interesting. But another one of those weird moments was Sterling K. Brown called a Predator the N word. It's just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? It, it just felt so out of place. Like <laughs> Shane Black's movies. I mean, outside of Iron Man 3, have, you know, language in them. Like, it wasn't a shocking right. thing to be like, oh, oh, a Shane Black movie cussed. Oh, my gosh. But it's just like there's so much of it in the movie. It's just it's it's one of those things where it's it's used for comedic effect. And since yeah. 90% of the lines being said are f- played for comedy, mm-hmm. there's just so much uh, profanity and jokes and uh, mists. Uh, opportunities and it's just like it, 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 a lot of this movie just really falls yeah, flat. I mean, he's no stranger to using he he uses profanity well for laughs. I will say, um, like the nice guys is some has some of the best in it, especially with Ryan Gosling. Yeah, <laughs> where he's like, uh, I think he says like uh, JC, and then he's like, you shouldn't say that. He's like, um, but I found it very useful at that moment. <laughs> yeah, like, circumvents it. Like so, you know things. Like, yeah, but, but yeah, like you said, um, some of it's just sort of like he ran out of ideas. Yeah, you uh, line that in the. Um, yeah, Predator is not good, folks. No, it is not. Let's let's address some questions I had at the end of this movie. Please, uh, where did they get a helicopter from? They stole it from a news channel station. But like they just like they just leave to go like, right. go find us a helicopter, and then they come back ten minutes later and they have a helicopter. Mm-hmm. It's like what? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, convenient. Uh, very convenient. Um, also, as I mentioned, the deaths in this movie are pretty unmemorable because sometimes you don't even know who's dying on the screen. Alfie Allen. I can't tell you what happened to his character. I'm pretty sure he died in the forest during the shootout, but I don't remember how or who killed him. He, the ultra predator grabs the top of his head and like explodes it. Cause remember he's using, he's, um, he is cover fire on the base camp where the ship is at. Mm-hmm. And then the ultra predator walks up to him and he's like, I'm going to kill you. Oh. And then starts grabbing him. He shoots the flare, gets his head squeezed. That's down. right. That, that was a good death, even though I forgot it. In the moment, it was like, oh, okay, that was, that was decent. Hmm. Um, but you mentioned explosion. I have, to, I have to throw this in because it's just like yeah. one of those weird things. The hell, the hellhound dogs, whatever they're called, yeah. um, at the football field, Boyd Holbrook puts a, or shoots a rocket into one of their yes. stomachs. It explodes, and I, get, and I am 99% sure that there is a fart noise <laughs> that is made as it explodes and just like what instead of like an explosion they go to they go to a slow-mo shot of this Mm -hmm. alien dog with really like not convincing cg oh it's bad uh, it's so bad blow up and then here's a and you're like what (laughs) like what what are we what are we doing maybe maybe it was just like someone in the audience no okay okay sure i mean mean, maybe it was you i don't know but uh it was just it was it was one of those weird things like wait is this like is this a kids movie? Like, if I would buy this, it was, if this was rated PG. Mm-hmm. But this is an R-rated movie. Why are we having a potential <laughs> fart joke as a alien dog is being blown up? I don't know. It was yeah. weird. Um, Sterling K. Brown. I had no idea he even died until after the movie when I was like listening to it, like, and I was reading up on the movie. And it was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, Sterling K. Brown died because like he had the 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 gun attached to his shoulder and it shoots whenever it's being harmed and so somehow it accidentally shoots Sterling K. Brown in the head. It's so random too, yeah, because he's doing nothing. He's just yeah. running and hiding and then all of a sudden the gun goes zip, and then blasts his head off 
And I was like, wait, did they kill Sterling K. Brown? And then well, when he didn't show up in the rest of the movie, I was like, okay, yeah, they definitely yeah, killed him. Yeah, because I just remember in the forest battle, uh, there is a moment where just it cuts really quickly and then an explosion happens mm-hmm. on, on like the head of somebody and then it cuts away. And I was like, yeah. I don't know who that was. I'm guessing by the insignificance that it's played for, that it was just a random government agent guy. Right. Not Sterling K. Brown. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was just a confusing thing because then like, uh, Boyd Holbrook and Sterling K. Brown. He's like, you know, once this is over, we're gonna we're gonna duke it out. And Sterling K. Brown's like, I'm looking forward to it or something. Oh yeah. And then it doesn't happen. I was like, wait, how how are we, how are we missing this yeah. exchange? I was like, oh, it's apparently because he died. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we already mentioned Strahovski. We don't know what happened with her. And yeah, I think that's I think that's it. We talked about this a lot more than either of us expected. Um, so closing thoughts on the Predator. If you have any, it's bad. Very bad. Don't waste your time. Go don't, see. Don't waste it. Go see favor. a simple favor. Absolutely. Um, if a white boy Rick is playing in your local area as well, maybe check that out. I haven't seen it yet, but it's it's gotten better reviews than the Predator. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Go so, see Mamma Mia again. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Mamma Mia one or two, but I I, I would put good money that it, both of them are better than this movie. Amen. So uh, on that note, that's the end of our review of the Predator. We we'll right back in bit with the news. back with the news and it's always going to start with our three main topics this week starting with a very odd one <laughs> that henry cavill may or may not be done playing superman depends on what hour of the day you checked in on wednesday <laughs> right uh, it was very you know uh, coincidental timing on our part we posted our big question of mm-hmm. you know is henry cavill ever going to play superman again and within 30 minutes of that dropping yeah thr comes out and says he's out He's done. He's walking away from the DC universe. Mm-hmm. He's no longer going to play Superman. And it's just like, wow, great call on our part to do that. It's a big question last yes. week because we are super relevant right now. And then WB issued a statement. They're like, well, no decision has been made yet, but we really respect Henry Cavill. And we really hope to work with him again in the future. Really uh, a non-statement, if you ask me, where they're just like basically saying, right. we, we love the guy. But we're not making commitments to him as Superman. It's like okay, mm-hmm. and that was after his agent Danny Garcia said, like, issued a tweet saying, "Like, hold on, guys, the cape is still in the closet. Um, expect a response to WB later today." That was yeah. the response, and then it all ended up later that night with Cavill posting a video on Instagram of him in a Krypton lifting team T-shirt um, with. Uh, some really, you know, some some uh, some uplifting music playing. Beethoven then, is playing in the back, yeah. but it's punctuated by dog barks. Yeah, as he's flying Superman up yeah, into the frame. just lifting a little, lifting a little Superman statue uh, up into the frame. Oh the gosh. caption says, "Today was exciting." Hashtag Superman. So, Ugh. THR Variety Deadline, the wrap, like all the major trades in the movie industry, all confirmed independently that he was indeed leaving Mm -hmm. he and his agent don't seem to think so (laughs) right is this all just a negotiation tactic was this wb saying yeah we're done and then they're like oh crap they're actually Mm -hmm. walking away uh no 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 no, we're we're no we we, we'll do it we'll take we'll do the shazam cameo or was this 
Cavill and his team leaking the information yeah. to get the internet riled up and then getting all of the hate messages sent to WB. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, WB's like, oh, shoot, people really like this guy, Superman. We can't get rid of him now. Yeah. <laughs> We're idiots. Uh, hey, Cavill, here's $30 million. Please come back to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- what happened here? I, some, it was a definitely a negotiation tactic. I don't know by who at all. Listen, I, it's not... Like we talked about on the big question, Garcia is a go-getter. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, I'd like to apologize. I called Rob Cordray on Ballers, Paul Shear. Oh. <laughs> Wrong, bald, funny man. <laughs> I would like to apologize to both Paul Shear and Rob yeah. Cordray and the full cast of Ballers and crew and writers. Okay, anyway, back to the point. Uh, they just look the same. Yeah. All right. I Yeah, someone was playing hardball and someone said, all right, He's done. But I, I need to think it was Warner Brothers because all of these independent outlets confirmed it. Like, mm-hmm. confirmed it independently, I believe, like you said. Yeah. Um, unless they're unless all of their sources are the same two to three people, which is pretty unlikely, but right. it, I mean, it is possible. Or they just did really bad journalism and copied THR because THR wouldn't have ran with it if they weren't confident that True. was actually happening. Um, I think, what's his name? The guy who... Boris writes, Kitt. Boris Kitt once said that he's very specific about when he chooses to write about something. Mm-hmm. Like if it's right or if it's not. I don't know if Boris did this story or not, though. Yes, he, he did. Yeah, yeah he okay. was involved. So, it was him and uh, somebody else. I don't remember who the other person was. Okay, yeah. So like that that's a high standard of approval. And I don't think it would have come, he would have written about it if it had not come from Warner Brothers saying he's done. Yeah. And then Garcia comes back and says, oh, no. They're ready to go. They're walking away. <laughs> so we need to put something out. So she tweets. Yeah, like, oh, we can't play hardball anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then she's like, statement's coming. She would only know that if she'd just called Warner Brothers in a panic and, mm-hmm. or wised up to their game. And yeah. Called them and said, all right, let's go sit back down and get this right. And then led to Cavill playing with the uh, Superman doll <laughs> and um, kind of getting his face back out there in the Superman persona so that people be like, Oh no, he's still Superman. We only want him as Superman. Yeah. That kind of like rallied fans as well. Mm-hmm. So that based on baseless, pure speculation <laughs> and none, no reporting of my own. That's what I feel like happened. Interesting. Or at least there was some, it was, it's a hard, they're playing hardball. They're trying to figure it out. And that's why it's so confusing. Now I, I can, I can buy that a little bit that this was on Warner brothers part they, that they leaked somehow mm-hmm. that you know, they were done. But I also just have a, I have a hard time believing that. I mean, there is the point that these trades, whether it's Deadline, Variety, The Wrap, THR, they're basically studio mouthpieces the same way like EW is kind of studio mouthpiece because they just, they reveal the first look at basically every upcoming blockbuster. Yes. Um, right. So for some of these sites, you kind of have to wonder, well, like, you know, not that they're, being paid off by the studios, but they're getting their information typically from a studio's perspective. But th- this seems like a really weird negotiation tactic for Warner Brothers to make. Like, why would Warner Brothers leak that they're done with Superman? It's it could be especially be, unless they had no unless their thought was that well, Man of Steel didn't do that as well as we hoped. Batman v Superman didn't do as well as we hoped. Justice League didn't do as well as we hoped. What were the what were the three? What was constant in all three of those? Henry Cavill. People don't like him. That's why our movies aren't making money. Let's get rid of him. And then they're like, 
uh, oh, shoot, people actually apparently do like Henry Cavill Superman, mm-hmm. and they just were oblivious to that possibility. But it seems to me like this would be a better play for Henry Cavill and his team to make to say, you know, we just signed up for The Witcher, Warner Brothers. Netflix is going to pay Cavill mm-hmm. a lot of money. So we don't necessarily need Superman anymore. But you guys, y- you don't look like you have your stuff together right now. Sure. If you lose Superman, that's going to look real bad. Okay. And... W's like, well, what, whatever. Superman's like James Bond. We'll do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Psh, all right. Garcia or somebody in Cavill's team sends over a message to Boris Kinn like, hey, we're out. We're leaving. And they run with it. Everybody else calls Garcia and they're like, oh, yep, yep. He's out. He's out. Spread the word. And the one brother is like, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Cavill, wait, wait, wait. We we may not have an immediate plan for Man of Steel 2, but we just hired a screenwriter right this second, yeah. and now it is in uh, moving quickly. That that seems to make more sense to me than why WB would leak the intel. Yeah, I, that, I mean, I could buy that too, but it just seems kind of crazy. Like, you kind of expect Walter Hamada and the Warner Brothers crew over there seem to be like no nonsense Mm -hmm. at least in the early going so if you got something from them you would be pretty at least i would have been pretty confident i don't know them i don't talk to anyone in that studio but i feel like the attitude is we're serious we know we're moving forward and this is a direction when we say something Mm -hmm. we're gonna mean it we haven't commented on ben affleck because we just don't know at this point (laughs) um which is fine i still think that's that that is the funniest part of this whole thing to me is that we're both in the same t- position? <laughs> yes, that we are literally now in the exact same position as we are as we were with Ben Affleck. In six months from now, we're going to have to put a, a hiatus on Henry Cavill Superman talk because it's going to be so much back and forth. Well, is he actually in or is he actually out? Is he going to be back from Man of Steel two or are they not going to do Man of Steel two and they're going to recast after Supergirl? Yeah, and it's just funny to me because WB made the statement very quickly. You know, Cavill's agent came out and was like, "Well, well hold on." Uh, let's wait and see how this plays out first. THR does the basically the exact same report on Ben Affleck twenty months ago. Nothing. Yeah. There's no denial. Right. <laughs> There's just Ben Affleck on San Diego Comic Con the next day saying, "I'll play an ape for Matt Reeves." It's like that's not the question. Are you going to play Batman? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and we still don't know. Mm-hmm. So I really I heard, I hope we don't have another one of the situations on our hand because that's going to be really uh, annoying if the next you know couple years is all well not 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 just well it is man is still too happening but right. is henry cavill still superman exactly i just i'm yeah i don't want to read another report about superman and the dceu mentioned ever until it's for, whether they're cavill's there or they're moving forward with uh, Matthew Vaughn's right. idea, or whatever the you know whatever they're doing. So it's just yeah, it is it is the it's it's hilarious, it's ironic, and just a little bit sad. It, oh yeah, there's all there's also sadness, of course, for DC. Cause it's like come on, mm-hmm. it's weird though because I did find out though I like Henry Cavill's Superman a lot more than I thought I did, yeah. especially when I knew it was about to end or thought it was about. <laughs> yeah, to end. you're like no, and for a lot of people they'd be like yes. Right, because maybe they don't like him. Uh, so, but it seems like more than not, people want to keep his Superman around. Mm-hmm. And if his tease, unless he was just really excited to get that Superman action figured that day, uh, it seems like good news is on the horizon for Superman right. and Cavill's future. So, uh, even though that THR article also pointed out that Supergirl the movie 
is now a priority for the studio. They're moving forward with that instead of Man of Steel 2 as of this time. Um, so that looks to be taking on a larger role in the DCEU moving forward. Then the playlist followed this up in the midst of all this Cavill controversy that the, their source told them that this movie may be set in the 1970s. And then Daniel RPK, who's a, a Twitter user, who's, who's an inside the Hollywood guy, nobody knows who he is really, but he is right more times than he's not. Uh, he also said that Brainiac is currently envisioned as the villain of this period piece Supergirl movie. So this is all very interesting that Supergirl could possibly be introduced 50 years in the future by the time this movie comes out um, and that she will get to go up against one of Superman's biggest foes who fans have clamored to see on the big screen go up against Superman first. Wait, 50 years in the future or in the past? 50 years in the past from when, did I say future? Yes. Sorry, 50 years in the past okay. from when it is released. Like if it's the gotcha. year 2020 oh, or 2021, sure. if it takes place in the 70s, it's 50 years in the past. Sorry. Uh, no, technically it's still 2010. Quit thinking that far. You're rounding up to the next decade. It's so well, weird. Well, because this movie's not coming out in 2019. Oh, no, I totally agree. But it's just so weird. That's what I'm saying. What, by the time it comes out. Correct. I'm just saying it's weird to round up to 2020 and not 2010. <laughs> Why would I round up to 2010? Round down to 2010. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird we're leaving the decade behind. <laughs> it I is. Know. It's strange. It's, it's rapidly approaching. Okay. But that's, yeah, that is so strange. Well, it's not strange. Um, it's wild. It changes everything. But I love it because it also puts her in line to, I don't know what they're going to do with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Probably nothing, depending on how it hits. You want to see Supergirl and Joker? I don't know what they're planning on doing, but it's cool that there's like period piecing up their characters Mm -hmm. and that'll be super fun. And like, like, listen, like you put Supergirl in the seventies, you can put like this, it was like the area of Mad Men, if you will, I mm-hmm. think. Is that one that runs? Yeah, I, I think, think so. so. Like you can like, um, feminist it up and like run with that idea and then drop Brainiac in there. And I don't know, like I love period piece superhero movies are like a, my thing. It's my mm-hmm. jam. And so this could be really sweet. And then like, just think of the style that they can yeah. run with and everything like that. And like it could be, you could really just go back to the heyday of Superman, you know, mm-hmm. like oh, yeah, the there original... would definitely be a lot of Christopher Reeve. Yeah, you could kind just of stuff. Grab there. those vibes and put them on Supergirl, and there, I don't know. There, there would definitely be. Uh, I don't know. Could Wonder Woman meet her? Yes, in the seventies. Please, they should do that. The question. There's just so like, I, I, I the, the first thing that pops in my mind here with the 1970s set is like, can a female superhero just get a modern day? First movie, please. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Everybody. Wonder Woman back in the World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Marvel back in the 90s. Even Black Widow, when she finally gets her movie, is reportedly going to be a prequel. <laughs> that's right. So what's up with this? I mean, I don't, it's all about this is a problem. I think mm-hmm. it's just like, well, how do, how do we introduce Supergirl? Yeah. You just you just do it mm-hmm. and you just move on. But right. it's, just very, it's interesting to me that they put it in the 70s because it basically would completely reverse the Supergirl Superman dynamic from the comics where Supergirl and Superman both leaves Krypton on, at the very same point in time, but then she is lost in space for decades, arrives on earth as a teenager still, but then Kal-El is grown up completely. And now he's Superman and now yeah. she's the younger one or she's still old, older, but she looks younger and is still her younger self. And yes. he is, he's matured mm-hmm. instead of he's not a toddler anymore. 
And so that dynamic would be completely changed. Um, it would open up questions as of like, well, if she is Supergirl, she has the Supergirl symbol. Is there like no connection between Supergirl and Superman who have the same symbol hmm. 40 years apart? Don't know. Um, but I, I mean, I understand, I guess, why they would, I think, want to do this. It frees her up from continuity issues. Yep. You get to introduce Supergirl and mm-hmm. just have her be Supergirl. Don't have to worry about right. what Batman's up to, what Flash is up to, what mm-hmm. Aquaman's up to. You just let her do her thing. And then you figure out how she doesn't age, I would assume, then from the sure. 70s on, unless she, unless all of her movies are, you know, does, period pieces. Does Superman ever age? I've I'm never not, seen I'm, him I'm with not a beard. Really, I'm not really sure. We've never had grizzled I mean, Superman. At so. least, at least in the DC movies, we know that he ages at a normal human rate. To mm. a, at least to this point, I mean, the, I guess you could add in the oh, point yeah, where, where like, well, they're they're Kryptonians, but they're like they're like as guardians, maybe. Where once they hit like a certain age, mm-hmm. then they're like they slow down their aging. So it, yeah, maybe. it takes them like twenty years to age two years. Or like, just like takes him to his peak. Yeah, and leaves him there. And then yeah, instead of like humans, we just keep aging, 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 aging. Right. It's like well, once Kryptonians are in their twenties to thirties, mm-hmm. they kind of stay there for a hundred years, yeah. and then you build in all that flexibility to kind of let her keep. She can jump to the pre- to the present setting, but then not be like, well, how come she hasn't aged at all? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll buy anything. Yeah, you make a great Supergirl movie in the nineteen seventies. Or Superwoman, whatever they end up titling it. Um, it would probably be Supergirl. They're, they're two different characters, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, I used to use them interchangeably. Um, you make a great Supergirl in the 1970s, I will forgive just about anything for, you know, moving forward continuity, mm-hmm. whatever the case is. I'll buy it. Be okay. Like, okay, sure. I'm awesome to see it there. That's why Wonder Woman, I don't really care what they do, you know, going forward. That's fair. I don't care if they throw everyone else out <laughs> and we still have Gal Gadot. Uh I mean, if Cavill leaves, if Affleck leaves, <laughs> who says Momoa's not leaving, or Ezra right. Miller, or Ray Fisher probably is the next one to leave, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be just Cal. <laughs> and maybe that wouldn't be a bad thing. I don't know. Um, but the Brainiac part is also interesting to me because, to me, I think Brainiac would be more interesting as a villain who could interact with a lot of technology, like in the present day. But like in the seventies, like there's still technology, but there's not like as much of it. We're not as reliant upon it. Like, what is his master takeover plan then? As a result, I don't know. I just feel like Brainiac would be a more interesting villain currently than in the seventies. Yeah, I, you know, honestly though, I don't care. Like, you could have fun with it in the seventies yeah. though too. He could be the mad genius who's like look at this, and he has an iPhone, and be like, ooh, what's that? <laughs> Multi-touch technology. I have the iPhone 15. What? <laughs> and then, like, you know, an explosion happens. Steve Jobs is walking in India, and then all of a sudden, it lands right in front of him. He's like, oh, I need this? to make this. Puts it in his pocket, and then, you know, it's like a fun little Easter egg <laughs> for you Apple heads and your iPhone excesses, um, or whatever the case is. Like, uh, you could, you could, especially because you could be, like, um, very, peer, like, not period with it, but you could be, like, loony with it in mm-hmm. any kind of sense like make it look like something pulpy from like a comic book or whatever the case is big orbs that have electricity radiating yeah. through them for like no apparent reason whatsoever and i don't know this i i am i think this is cool uh, i don't know brainiac i'm not mm-hmm. a reader of his arcs or his villainous deeds does he need to be set in the early... no i mean brainiac was introduced 
I don't know exactly when, but he's been around for a very long time. So okay. it's not like he's just recently been created, but sure. he is a guy who's infused with technology. I mean, I guess you could just do the alien technology angle where he just, Oh yeah. There you go. And, but I, but like, I don't know. I just feel like he'd be better in the present day, but okay. either way, uh, we'll move on to our last topic here in the big three, which is uh, one from Mark Ruffalo, who is on the marvelous podcast. And he said that the ending for Avengers four has not been filmed yet. Ooh. So the movie is currently undergoing reshoots and that has raised the eyebrows of many that a movie that comes out still several months from now in May mm-hmm. of 2019 has not filmed an ending or could be refilming the ending or could be completely changing the ending or what's happening here. Could be filming multiple endings like they Game did. Game of Thrones it. Game of Thrones it, but also Walking Dead and Walking Dead were like they killed like they made like a three season arc about killing one character and then they filmed like twenty deaths yeah. or something like that, whatever the case was. Then you had to watch the episode to find out if you had a job or not, yeah. which is so <laughs> awful. I mean, I hope they well, called him before the, the episode, which aired. I don't think is entirely true because I mean they had to start filming the new season before because that was the season premiere. Yeah, what did you? How do you? What did you do to get rid of Stephen Young like that? I I don't know. This isn't a Walking Dead podcast. I'm pretty sure no. they just filmed all the deaths and then Point tried to make it more confusing for people who would watch the set. Be like, well, S- Stephen Yun's here. He's going to – Stephen Yet's going to visit for three weeks just so mm-hmm. people see you here. Yeah, that's smart. Well, anyway, maybe they're doing something like that. Seems awfully expensive. It would be, but if you were com- – I mean, you have made $5 billion, $4 billion. They made $4 billion this year alone. $4 billion this year alone. You can spend – an extra million dollars to film a couple endings, right? It'd be more than more than a million dollars. It doesn't really? pay in Rob Ryan Jr. for like a day's work, probably. No, <laughs> it's it's in his contract. It's worked in reshoots and all the, that stuff. The, I, Cast I, and crew, though. I just listened to a, I just listened to an interview with the Russos and uh, from back like back from like May, and they said that on average they're spending four to five hundred thousand dollars a day Ooh. on the, on these two movies snap so that's insane yeah and a lot of that's cast uh salaries a lot of that's you know i mean there's there's set there's crew expenses obviously but a lot of that just Mm -hmm. you got to pay the stars to be there the bagel guy gosh knows how much he's charging (laughs) minimum wage um okay but i i think it has something to do along with those lines i mean you do want to hold back mm -hmm. on your big thing for as long as you can you you narrow it down to as few people as possible when you're having such a massive undertaking as mm-hmm. these movies were, especially filming them back to back. So many people are coming in and out and you're not going to be able to, you know, really wrangle that. Yeah. The reshoot team is usually very specific. Mm-hmm. You know what you're getting and what you want. So maybe they're holding on to the final moments. So when it's time to kind of just, you can be calm and you can yeah. approach it and you can get you know everything out of that moment and also keep the cast and crew to a very specific list so mm-hmm. you can <laughs> track their emails, their phone yeah. call, their text messages and you know all sorts of other things like that big brothery stuff. That that was kind of that's what I'm sensing. But then again, I'm just I'm not as well read. I'm not tapped <laughs> into the Marvel underground. What are you hearing? Oh, what are your I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying? <laughs> my sources, as in my internal thinking, my brain. Um, oh, quit it. Just no. I, I, I don't know anything. And I, even if I had sources, like legit sources, 
I would not want to know anything about <laughs> Avengers Four. I would I'd be paying them to stay away from me. You'd be until the worst next Marvel May. correspondent. Oh, absolutely. I'd be like, no, I don't want to know. I don't. Want to, I don't know what the first line of dialogue is. I don't yeah. know anything. I don't I want to you. see anything for this movie, really. But as far as Ruffalo's comments are concerned, I I don't think this is a big deal. I th- I think people are kind of making this up to be a little bit bigger than it actually is. It's like, mm-hmm. oh no, this movie's in in trouble. Maybe Marvel doesn't know what's going on, or oh, they're they're changing the ending. They're, they're actually killing off Dave Batista. The Drax is out. <laughs> That's what they're redoing the ending for. Uh, no, they're not. I mean, I guess you could, I guess theoretically, do that, but I don't think they're changing it because you're counting right now on your fingers how many months we have until the movie comes Seven out. Seven months. Yeah. If you assume it comes out late April. Yeah, which I, I assume it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's coming out late April. Gotcha. No sourcing on that, but it is it is absolutely coming out. Wait, late Captain April. Marvel's March though, right? Yeah, it's March eighth. It'll be May. I think it's late May. I'm gonna pivot to late May. They're gonna push it. Yeah, I think they'll push it back. Probably. No, they're moving. They're moving it up just like they did this last one. Move it up to the end of April. There's no movies coming out that last week. I've already March. checked. Um, but either way, okay. Um, because of Avengers Infinity or Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Four filming back to back, this mm-hmm. movie had such a head start on production. Where typically in Marvel fashion, they would like just be wrapping production at this point, not yeah. going into reshoots. Mm-hmm. So, if anything, I would be concerned if this was January and they were going back for second rounds of reshoots. Which I won't even be surprised that that's actually a case that they'll go back and reshoot additional stuff later in the year, sure, or early next year. Yeah. I, I would buy that. As something that was extra built in because of just how monumentally big this movie is, mm-hmm. but I just I just think that this is a case of Marvel, the Russos, Kevin Feige, Marcus and McFeely being like, "Listen, this ending, you guys thought Infinity War is crazy. This ending is going to blow your freaking minds. This is going to change the shape of the MCU moving forward. We're going to kill off major characters. We're going to or let them retire or do something yeah. that's going to leave fans, you know, we're going the MCU is going to be in a completely different place." than it was when this movie began, which is a big thing to say coming after Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And I think because of just how crazy this movie's going to play out, that they just didn't want to film this this ending last December, have to sit on it for all of this time, and then have it potentially leak or have other people digging around trying to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. If you film it now, you can keep it on lockdown. Yeah. You don't have to worry, or you shouldn't have to worry about Mark Ruffalo making the rounds and actually leaking it. Sure. I guess it's possible. He could be like, yeah, you know, I died. They stabbed they stabbed Hulk through the chest, and now he's actually gone. You're like, okay, did, thanks, did Mark. Didn't he spoil something, some part of Avengers 4, too? Avengers 4? Or no, Avengers 3, or Infinity he, War. He did. Something really ticked off uh, Don Cheadle yes. during an well, interview. Back at D23, he he did actually say that half of the cast was being killed off, <laughs> which at the time it played like a comedic thing of like, dude, no, you're not supposed to say that. Yeah, or yeah, he said something like that, and then Cheadle's like, dude, or something yeah. where that changed the context of his like yeah, what he was saying. Which, but like at the time, it was all played of like, oh, they're just right. they're joshing each other and. Not like Josh Straley, like, you know, just like Josh and like joking. Uh, I just had to clarify. Um, but they're, like, they're just joking around. And, but then people like revisited it after the fact of like, oh my gosh, Ruffalo. <laughs> he just, he, <laughs> okay, literally, yeah. he literally ruined yeah. the movie. Like, mm-hmm. if you would have actually taken him seriously, right. you would have saw this whole thing coming. Yeah. Um, which I guess you could, anyways, if you, if you read the comics originally, whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't think this is a big deal. I think this is just them being extra secretive for their biggest movie yet. That if you can wait until September to film the ending, you wait till September to film the ending. And like you said, closed doors, 
Uh, you bring every actor who's on that movie onto the set so they can watch it. So that way you don't know, well, who's actually filming the movie, who's just there to watch. And then all of them sign crazy uh, NDAs or like, listen, if you you say anything about what you just witnessed, um, we're taking your house, we're... We're throwing you in jail. You're never going to work again. <laughs> We're taking all your money. Even though Disney doesn't need it, they're still going to take it anyways. Rob Downey Jr., if you if you spoil this, all of the money you made already, we're taking it back. Yeah. Your, your residuals, gone. Um, that's what's going to happen. And so, I mean, I could be totally off base with this. This is just my thought process. Um, but I don't think they're changing the ending. I think if Ruffalo is saying, well, we haven't even shot the ending yet. It's just uh, No, they're not figuring out on the spot what the ending is going to be like that was built in from the very first day Avengers Infinity War started shooting. Yeah. So they know how it ends. It affects all the movies coming afterwards. Mm-hmm. If Spider-Man Homecoming or Spider-Man Far From Home picks up right after Avengers 4, you have to know how that movie ends to let characters progress right afterwards. Exactly. So no, this is not a big deal. I think it's just them Yeah. trying to keep a lid on the spoilers. You're seven months away and you have the most prolific production crew yeah. in all of the world. Come on, like, yeah. you, the movie is not in trouble. And I mean, most of these Marvel like production crew people work on multiple projects. Like they'll finish one, go to the next one. You think they're really going to risk their very, very uh, secure job by spoiling the ending of Avengers Four? I don't think so. Yeah. So uh, let's move on to ticket or skip it here, real quick. We only have two trailers to pick from, both of which may actually or will actually be in theaters. One of them. Ballad of Buster Scrugg, or uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the latest from the Coen Brothers, which is actually a Netflix movie that was turned into a movie after they filmed a miniseries, and yes. it is going to hit theaters anyways. Right. The other one is Captive State, a new movie from Rupert Wyatt, director of Rise of the Planet of the Apes, the very first installment of the reboot. Josh, which one is getting your ticket here today? As much as I think Captive State sounds cool. I don't know anything about it. Not even the trailer tells us anything about it. It's just dystopian. Yeah. So I'm skipping it. I don't, I don't oh. really care. Sorry. I love sci-fi, but no. The Ballad of Buster Scrubs just looks tonally like one of the most campy Conan Brothers movies I've ever seen, and that's including Hail Caesar. So I definitely want to know what this is like. It's got all these sorts of uh, little leaves on it that say, oh, this is a good film festival film or whatever mm-hmm. the case is. So I want to know. It just looks, at times it looks like it's a comedy, but other moments it looks like we're looking at something extremely serious and grown up. And other times it just looks like a fun little Western action flick. But also I just want to know how is this movie going to play out? Filmed as a mini series for Netflix Mm -hmm. and then edited into a movie after they second, not second guess themselves, decided that that was the best way to tell their story. So I'm just really interested in that aspect of it and how it plays out from there. Mm-hmm. So I, I know I'm giving my ticket to um, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Okay, because it sounds so fun to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, too. I I do like that trailer. I am going to give my ticket to Captive State. So we go into different okay. movies, um, even though these movies don't hit theaters the same week. Yours comes out in late November. Mine mm-hmm. comes out early March. Um, so, but Captive State, I thought the trailer was good in the fact that it didn't really tell us anything like okay. i liked the mystery i like the intrigue of it all you get to see john goodman being some malevolent figure i don't know much anything about him but he's he's shady he's he looks like this could be a sequel to 10 Cloverfield field land for all i know <laughs> uh i'd buy it um uh, there's also um 
Ashton Sanders, who we just saw yeah. in um, Equalizer 2. He is here as well. Uh, it's, it looks like it's got a good cast. Even Rebecca Ferguson's in this movie. She's not in the trailer, uh, but she is in this movie. So, And it's it's finally another movie by Rupert Wyatt, who I've been... I don't think he's done anything since Rise of the Planet of the Apes. It's just kind of like, what have you been doing, man? And this one looks like a really interesting alien invasion takeover um go against the system type of movie so if this is like an alien invasion movie with some political intrigue as well Mm -hmm. that seems uh pretty cool it it just seemed a little for the gravity that that final 10 seconds or so Mm -hmm. is this part here like everything else around it was just like this it felt like a smattering of different like political thriller tropes Mm -hmm. i was like oh this they're taking sides with Colin Kaepernick here <laughs> some places. I don't know. They're definitely um, not burning their uh, Nike socks. That's yeah, for sure. that's right. You're cutting them off or whatever the case is. Uh, <laughs> you already bought them, people. Just don't buy any more <laughs> if that's your take on it. Um, uh, people are dumb. Yeah, don't waste your money. At least be frugal. Anyway, okay. Just donate them or something. Jeez. Exactly. So, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, yeah, I agree with everything you just kind of said. About Nike or Captive State? Captive State. <laughs> um, so... Well, but it's just, we'll see. Yeah. Buster Scrug was way better of a trailer, I thought. Well, that's fine. I mean, it definitely made me laugh a lot more than the Captive State one did. Okay. <laughs> Obviously. There you go. Uh, but let's move on to the flyby here to wrap up this episode. Uh, it was confirmed this morning as of this recording that Brie Larson is going to be on Good Morning America on Tuesday. So tomorrow when you guys are hearing this, uh, this is all but likely indicates that we're getting our Captain Marvel trailer on Tuesday. Very excited to see this. I wish I didn't have to work Tuesday morning so I could just sit at home, relax, see the trailer in the comfort of my couch. But why are you looking at me so weird? Emergency episode? Eh, maybe. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's possible. Gotcha. If, if, it, if it blows the lid on everything, then yeah, we could we could dive in. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, you are as well. Yes. So then uh, there was also a rumor this week that popped up from Ain't It Cool that apparently Guy Ritchie's name was attached to an MCU movie based on a production listing for Captain Britain and Black Knight. This would be a team-up movie of the two Marvel characters. Guy Ritchie currently doing Aladdin for Disney. Mm-hmm. If this is true, very different turn for Marvel. Very interesting one at that. Uh, and it gives me a lot of faith that Guy Ritchie's Aladdin is really good, which the footage at D23 last or this the this year? Last year? Last year. Last year played really well. So... I would be excited if this was the case. Yeah. Especially if they got Charlie Hunnam or Henry Cavill if he leaves the Superman. You get them to play Captain Britain and Black Knight. That'd be be both are very uh, D F list characters to bring (laughs) in. So that's just it's just fascinating. Mm -hmm. They're going they're going for the UK market. Yeah. Got to got to rope them. Got to go international. Exactly. We don't have an international. Well, we have we have Black Panther, but no love for the no love for the UK. I mean. Far From Home is visiting there. It just wrapped up its filming portion from England. Now it's going all across Europe and Asia. So We're to get some notes for that maybe. But uh, yeah, clearly it's some synergy from director to director. So I'm willing to buy that mm-hmm. part of the report. And like you said, Aladdin's been in the... They've had it f- filmed yeah. since last summer, I think. Mm. Or last fall. No, no it was, it was uh, early this year, I think it wrapped. Okay, yeah. And... So things seem to be well on their way to success. Yeah. The only reason I don't necessarily, I don't buy this a hundred percent is just because if Guy Ritchie was really doing a Marvel movie and casting was beginning in November, December, as this rumor indicates, I'm pretty sure a random email to ain't it cool. Wouldn't be the very first time we're hearing about this. So mm-hmm. I feel like THR would have picked up on it, heard something that a Aladdin is amazing and B 
Disney was so happy with it that they took Guy Ritchie to Marvel and said, hey, get this guy a project. And he's yeah. like, dude, I want to do Captain Britain. They're like, great. Let's make this happen. Uh, right. And it, and if it is casting, if they're looking to start the casting process late this year, that would indicate a 2019 filming start probably. I mean, there was that mystery Marvel movie is going to film the UK mm-hmm. uh, late spring, early summer next year. Maybe it is Captain Britain and Black Knight. That would blow my mind if that's the case, but who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, then Venom also got an official PG-13 rating this week, and then Eric Davis at Fandango said that it is um, – more than likely the case that this decision was made to keep hopes of a Spider-Man crossover with the MCU alive. This is a good move on Sony's part. Yeah, because you really, really, really need buy-in from Marvel and Spider-Man <laughs> to make your franchise of films a success. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I want to see a rated R Venom. I want to see risks taken. Mm-hmm. Looks like Venom is, uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm going to put a moratorium on guessing what venom will be like until we see it <laughs> yeah I need, to cleanse, I need to cleanse my head so we will see how it all plays out but this is a the right positioning for them this is a good move for venom if they didn't do it for these reasons if if venom needs to be bg-13 because that's the best version of the venom movie and the venom mm-hmm. character then great give it give me a pg-13 venom but if you are watering down the character just so you have the possibility to maybe potentially one day have Marvel's blessing to cross over with the MCU, then you're doing this for the wrong reason, Sony. You're not doing this for a character. You're doing this because you're greedy and you want a lot of money. And I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Hardy talked about it pretty early on. They were pushing the limit. So it almost make it sounds like that was built in. I, I, I sure hope so. I and, mean, the earlier reports of this was that it was going to be an R-rated Venom movie. Right. And then as time progressed, I was like, no, I want to make a movie my kid can see. It's like, <laughs> your kid's not 17, so it's right. not R. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have confidence Ruben Flesher can. I hope so. I mean, Sony did give him Zombieland 2, so. He's 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 weird. Or his, his movies are weird. So I think he could make some fun of it. I think that's like the turn the wind thing. is going to make a ton of kids giggle. Like, oh, oh he, gosh. Said, he said poop or turn. Yeah, so. he said turn. Exactly. Uh, last thing here, Bond 25, according to the Daily Mail, is getting a new script from veteran Bond writers Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. They have written the last six Bond movies. This will make number seven in a row for them. They already wrote a draft for Bond 25 prior to Danny Boyle coming on throwing their script away mm-hmm. and then he left and now MGM and Eon threw his script away. So now they're starting from scratch again for bond 25. I, I mean, I think this makes sense. They wrote all of the Daniel Craig movies. Why not have them do the last one? Even if the quality of their films has definitely been hit or miss. Yeah. If you're not going to take risks, we'll stick with what has somewhat worked two out of the four times. Do they, are they going to bring back Mark Forster hot off Christopher Robin? To try to redeem himself. Mark Forrester to yeah. redeem himself? Yeah, because he did, uh, what was the second one? Quantum, Quantum Solace. Solace. yeah. Quantum Solace wasn't his fault. Yeah, so they bring him back. They had the writer's strike, I think, was not going yeah, on Yeah, I believe then. so. Yeah, so I would bring him back. Mark Forrester deserves it. He's not going to be doing Obi-Wan Kenobi anytime soon. <laughs> Nobody's so. going to be doing that anytime yeah. soon. So yeah, that is, uh, that's the end of this episode. That's the end of the flyby. Josh, what are we going to be reviewing next week? Next week, we're going to take a look at the Western comedy drama action flick, The Sisters Brothers Gang, starring John C. Riley, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Joaquin Phoenix. And Riz Ahmed. And, that's right. Yeah. I read a profile of him in The New Yorker about this movie. Oh, so I was in GQ. It. 
GQ, <laughs> GQ usually goes for the more four quadrant films. Oh, okay. But yeah, so this this has get, been getting good reviews. It's got a great cast. It's got good trailers. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Josh will be doing the review for the site. So you anticipate me I need anything? to go finish the nun review. It's not posted <laughs> yet. Gosh dang it. Uh, okay. Uh, but uh, wait, what was the question? Are you just are you looking forward to it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I've been laughing at this thing. It's a movie that I'm probably going to haul my dad to. He loves Westerns. And it seems like it's just out of the box enough yeah. for me to be like, all right, I'll go see this Western movie. Looks like it's new and fresh. Yeah, apparently John C. Riley is the standout, which is Ooh, great news. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back as well this week with a big question tackling Kylo Ren, the, the the leader of the Knights of Ren, and whether or not he can be redeemed or should be redeemed in Star Wars 9. So we'll talk about that as well in our big question. And that, But if you enjoyed this episode, though, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus our iTunes and give us a five-star view with comments. Tell us why you enjoy listening to the show. And that way, when other people go and see this podcast on iTunes or whatever they're on, they'll be like, you know, should I check out Friends and Film? They'll read your, your raving review and be like, wow, people love this show. I'll check it out too. And then they'll leave a five-star review. And then their friends will leave five-star reviews. And then before you know it, Friends of Film has taken over the planet uh, just like the Predators want to. So uh, that is it. Be sure to throw your thoughts everything covered by Tunis at Friends of Film. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper on Coops underscore Hoops. And you can yell at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh, thank you for stopping in. And be sure to turn next week for our future episodes. <laughs>